This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, August 15th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. The DEA has again refused to reschedule cannabis, a plant that dozens of states have legalized for either medicinal or recreational purposes. But the agency says it will allow for more research. Adam Bates, policy analyst at the Cato Institute, says this may be the final word on the subject from the Obama White House. When the DEA issues a decision and reaffirming their previous position, that comes from the White House, doesn't it? I mean, implicitly it does. Right. So technically, this is coming from the DEA and the Attorney General's office. But uh, in practice, of course, this is the executive branch of the U.S. government. And and if the President of the United States uh, told the the DEA uh, to reschedule or deschedule marijuana, uh, they would comply with that request. All right. So what has the DEA said? There was a petition from two Democratic governors to reschedule marijuana uh, to move it. It's currently at Schedule 1, which is the uh, most restricted drug schedule in the Controlled Substances Act. So it's on the same level as heroin uh, and considered a more dangerous substance than drugs like cocaine and methamphetamine. Uh, so this request was to just take marijuana off of Schedule 1 and move it down to Schedule 2, where it can. Uh, there are more research opportunities. It's easier for uh, study and things like that to to assess the medicinal value. And what the DEA said is, no, uh, we don't believe uh, there is any medicinal value. We don't believe this is worth exploring, and we're going to keep it at Schedule 1, which is the most uh, restricted schedule. Schedule 1, of course, uh, there is no established medical use and a high potential for abuse. That's what drugs in that category uh, are believed by the DEA and by the executive branch of the U.S. government to be. Correct. So a high potential for abuse, despite the fact that it's virtually impossible to overdose on marijuana and that there is no medicinal value. There's no uh, practical value to this drug, that it's basically just all downside. Which Uh, is why cocaine is Schedule 2 and morphine, I suppose, is Schedule 2 as well, because they have long established medical uses. Correct. And and amphetamine, uh, methamphetamine, uh, opioid uh, painkillers like oxycodone. uh, So marijuana is really the outlier as far as uh, its placement on the schedule. There's not really been any real effort to justify why marijuana is treated so disproportionately harshly relative to these other drugs. The DEA also seemed to open up avenues for research despite the fact that they were going to keep it as Schedule 1. So the DEA has said, uh, in light of these complaints, that that we need to have more research and more study into marijuana. They said they will make more marijuana available uh, for study. But this is basically right now a DEA monopoly on uh, the marijuana supply. So it's not nearly the kind of, of progress we would see if it was moved down the drug schedule. But the DEA did co- try to throw a bone uh, to marijuana reform efforts to say, OK, we will provide more uh, so we can do some research. President Obama, throughout his years as president of the United States, has been pretty terrible on this as a as a policy matter, uh, despite his own personal history with marijuana. Right, and he's especially been bad relative to what people's expectations were. Uh, that he was he's a younger president, that he had this past experience with marijuana, that he had these common sense ideas about criminal justice reform and issues like that. And this seems like very low hanging fruit. Uh, marijuana prohibition all across the country and states across the country are legalizing marijuana uh, despite the federal prohibition. This is something that's right in Obama's wheelhouse as far as common sense justice reform and, and easing some of the 
the racial problems in the justice system and the violence in the justice system. So his refusal to really do anything about this, despite his ability, is is very depressing. No sooner had this announcement been made, but it appeared as if uh, President Obama's one of his daughters, who will be going to a high-powered university in a year or so, was we believe, uh, witnessed to be smoking pot at Lollapalooza, which is pretty much the exact appropriate place to do that. Exactly. And yeah, a lot of this has generated a lot of a lot of talk and a lot of discussion. But yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with what she was doing. There just is this kind of inconsistency between this is something that young people do. It's what President Obama did when he was a young man. Uh, and it's what people do at Lollapalooza. Uh, so yeah, there is this incongruity between having this going on in such a public manner and uh, people who are not related to the president going to prison over this or being killed in SWAT raids uh, over marijuana. There's just this uh, imbalance that that is going to persist as long as this federal prohibition persists. Do you suspect that within the Obama administration, this will essentially be the final word from his administration on pot as a policy matter? It's hard to tell simply because uh, so coming up in November, states like New York are going to vote on recreational marijuana. So it's still possible for the landscape of marijuana legalization to change a little bit before he leaves office. Uh, and it's up to him. Uh, he could decide after the election, for instance, uh, that he wants to, to make a change here uh, to, to better his legacy on criminal justice reform and drug reform. Uh, but the clock's ticking down. And this was certainly a perfect opportunity uh, for him to do something. And he refused to do it. There are a whole lot of things that are uh, tied up with uh, marijuana prohibition. There's banking regulation that uh, states that have legalized marijuana for uh, both medical and recreational purposes, the businesses that are selling marijuana legally in their state cannot participate really in the banking system. So they have to hire armed guards to help them uh, ferry money. Uh, around hundreds of thousands of dollars in in some cases. Uh, And of course, the fact that dozens of states have uh, legalized for some purposes marijuana, you know, that's where the the change is occurring. And the federal government seems utterly unwilling and has for a long time to I guess, give any respect to that. Right. And that's one of the more frustrating frustrating aspects of this is that it doesn't even require the federal government to legalize marijuana. Marijuana will be legalized at the state level. Uh, and in 42 states uh, legalize some form of marijuana use, whether it's medicinal, recreational, or CBD-specific marijuana use. So this is something that's happening at the state level. The federal government doesn't have to uh, legalize it themselves. They just have to get out of the way. And so for conservatives who believe even states' rights, you have this federalism argument that, look, this is historically uh, the the purview of the state to decide what, what substances are legal uh, and which aren't. And that's why when we uh, prohibited alcohol, for instance, that required a constitutional amendment to do that. Uh, but for whatever reason, when it came to banning drugs, the federal government simply just did it. They didn't bother going the constitutional route. And now you have this federalism mess where you have dozens and dozens of states legalizing a substance. There's still this federal uh, prohibition, and you have that that tension there that's completely unnecessary uh, and and is just a nightmare as far as, as you said, the the finances, the the legal aspects of it, and the federalism aspects. Adam Bates is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.